This is CliffCentral.com. Just, just call me the throwback kid, because that's how that's how we like to do on this show. Tuesday morning at 11 a.m. I'm Mabale Boloi minus one Dumi Murake. I'm all by my own. Some lonesome. Uh, Dumi's got a little corporate. Well, not little, because I mean, come on, this woman doesn't do anything little. But uh, she is away on work duties. She's got a function that she's emceeing. She's doing how she does. And so it's just you and I today. It's just you and I. Uh, this one taken from House Flavor, Fresh House of Flavor, number four. Do you remember the song? Oh, my gosh. I think I was... Where was I? Well, I mustn't reveal my age too much because then, then you'll just be shocked. Shocked, horrified, and just genuinely surprised. Uh, welcome to it. Um, if you'd like to get in touch with me, 861 If you'd like to message me, rather, uh, you can send your messages straight through to WeChat. Or you can just uh, get a hold of me on Twitter as you and I spend the next hour just... You know, chit-chatting, that kind of thing, uh, sipping tea, although this morning I must admit that I am not sipping tea, and I don't want anybody to take me on on the fact that I am sipping adult beverages all by myself, because I have often hear people saying, hey, there must be something wrong with you if you're drinking alcohol all by yourself. Well, you know what? Everybody's got problems. Everyone's got coping mechanisms. But today I'm just in the mood, guys. I'm just in the mood to, you know. To go for some Dutch courage, if you will uh, Okay, so a couple of weeks ago In fact, two weeks ago to be exact I moved into my new place Yay! Fun times Packing of boxes Unpacking of boxes Packing things into cupboards um, The nice thing about moving Is that you get an opportunity To throw out all the rubbish You know, all the clutter That you have collected over the years All that stuff that you either got as gifts or you received in some goodies bag, or you bought it and then you realized three years later that you were still not wearing that dress. You know, all that stuff. So it that's the nice thing about packing up and moving house is that you can collect all those things. You can put them in boxes, you can put them up you put them in plastic bags or whatever. And then you can go and donate the stuff. So you can take it to, I don't know, like a place like the Salvation Army, you know, drop it off. Or you can take it to one of those shops that sells secondhand clothing and they sell them for really cheap. So that was a nice thing about moving houses, decluttering. But then on, when was it? Was it yesterday morning? Yesterday morning, I wake up and, you know, I'm up really early in the morning as I'm like up at 4.30. Um, especially in the last week because Gareth, you know, he's away in the States, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, I'm having to wake up a little bit earlier because we need to come in and, you know, just set things up properly for you. So um, up at 4.30 on Monday morning and then I jump out of bed as I usually do, walk towards the door and then I try to hit the light switch and boom, there's no electricity. So I'm like, okay, no problem. Because, you know, my, my father, when we were deep in the crisis of load shedding, he bought me a couple of those lights that you can plug in and recharge so that when the electricity goes out, at least you're not left in the dead dark. So I just, you know, I, I pulled out one of those lights from the from one of the cupboards and, you know, then I'm good to go. Then I run the bath water. Now the water is a little bit cold because, you know, the geezer, obviously the lights have been off for a while now. And then I, you know, I, I basically I, I do my morning routine. And I do it quite quickly because now I'm doing it in the dark. And then eventually I'm just like, you know what? I'll deal with the no electricity situation when I get back home. 
uh, from work because I did realize that I was the only person who was affected by lights. The neighbor across me, his lights were on. So I'm like, okay, fine. It's cool. I'll just deal with this when I get back home. Get back home. And then I realized that no, because now I've moved into a unit where, you know, we're all using uh, prepaid electricity meters, which, which, you know, for me, it's kind of sort of a new thing because I've, I've never lived in a place that uses these prepaid meters. So when the electricity was running out, I was completely ignoring the red flashing light on some, you need to, you need to load, you know, more electricity or whatever. So I ignore this. And then eventually I run out of electricity, which is the reason that I woke up in the dark on Monday. And how it works in our complex is that we're divided into blocks. And if you're having a problem loading electricity on your meter, you can just walk over to your neighbor, you know, knock on the door and be on some, hey, friendly neighbor, um, I, I just need to load some electricity on my meter so that I get power in my units. Can I just plug it into, you know, in your place because you have electricity and then I'll just do my thing. So now this is what I'm thinking uh, yesterday afternoon when I do eventually get back home. I find one of my neighbors upstairs. So I go there and I knock on the door and then I, I knock again and then I knock again. And then just as I'm about to walk away, because I'm assuming, okay, there's obviously nobody here. I hear a little voice, a voice belonging to an elderly woman coming from the other side of the door. And the voice says to me, yes, who is it? So I say, oh, I'm sorry. My name is Mabali. I've just moved in downstairs in unit number da 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 da, da because you know, I am just brand new. And then she says, yes, what do you want? So I said, oh, I just need your help with my prepaid electricity meter. Like, I need to just plug it into your place so that I can load electricity and then, you know, my problems will be gone. She says, yeah, but, you know, if I open the door, then my cat is going to run out. So I said, oh, okay, ask you, so do you want me to, um, to like, to be ready to catch the cat when you open the door? Because, you know, this seems like a an agile cat that probably wants to make, an, you know, an escape every time the door opens. And then she goes quiet. And then I say, Hello. And she says to me, no, 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 you know what, um, you can't, you can't come into my house and, uh, want to use my electricity. And I said, no, that's not what I want to do. I just need to plug my meter into you, your place because you have power. Therefore, the meter will come back on. Therefore, I'll be able to load the electricity that I've already bought and paid for. And then my problems will be solved. No, she's not interested. And she tells me, no, you need to do this. You need to do that. She didn't even open her door this entire time. She's talking to me through her closed door. So now I imagine that I look like a crazy person to whoever's walking by because I'm talking to a completely closed door. And I thought to myself, mother, this woman. And then I got back into my place and I was just thinking to myself, do you know your neighbors? Do you know the people who are living downstairs from you, upstairs from you? Do you know the people living to your left-hand side or your right-hand side? Do you know their names? Do you talk to them? And do you socialize with them? Because, you know, granted, I have just moved in, but I was just thinking to myself, there is, there must be something that this woman is so terrified of that she won't even open the door to talk to me. Like I must communicate with her via a closed door. And it just made me wonder this whole neighbors thing. And do you think that we should know our neighbors? Um, you know, what happens in situations where you do need serious, genuine help? I mean, it wasn't serious and genuine help with me yesterday, but it was a little bit of help and it would have been nice for her to, to help me out, but she chose not to. Anyway, eventually I ended up, you know, like doing it at somebody else's place, which wasn't even an issue. And I just, I just wondered to my, to myself whether we know people. I mean, I remember when I was growing up at home and this is now in, in Putati Chaba, in Kwakwa. 
Um, you know, it's, it's basically a rural area. It's like Kokasi a little bit, you know, and you know, in those kinds of environments, everybody knows everybody else. It's like that song from that show Cheers. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. Everybody knows everybody else. We all feel like we are, you know, friends or family or whatever. Uh, there are absolutely no issues with the mother from next door reprimanding the children on the other side of the house if the parents are nowhere to be seen because there is this underlying rule that, you know, we all help each other out. That's just the way it is. But I have, you know, it, it's it's not necessarily the case in the kinds of um, structures that we're set up in when you when you live in the burbs, in the suburbs, where, you know, people are living behind very high walls, they're closed off from their neighbor, or you're living in a townhouse complex, and really everybody just tries to go about their business, and they don't want to attract any attention, and they don't really want to say hi to you. They basically don't want to know anything to, you know, anything to, ha- to that has anything to do with you, and they just go about their business. And I was just thinking yesterday, but that's kind of sad. Um, because, you know, here's a situation where somebody could have helped me on, you know, all she needed to do was to open her door and just talk to me at the very least, even if she'd said to me, look, I don't trust you. You look like a suspicious character. Please leave me alone. And I would have happily walked away and then, you know, seeked help from somebody else. So that's just something that I was thinking about. And I wonder if you think about the same thing. I mean, when was the last time you went over to a neighbor's house and asked for, you know, a cup of sugar, for example? Or as a child, your mother used to send you and she'd be like, you know, like these are things, these are things that we grew up doing and it's just it's it's a little bit sad when you find yourself in as as an adult in the kind of in the kinds of neighborhoods where we don't even say hi to each other and i suppose it's because there are a lot of people who think that you know their neighbor could be a serial killer or you know a robber or a hijack i don't know what people think about each other but i guess that's the kind of thing that it that it is um, oh, it's six, oh, it's six, one, triple five, one, eight, nine is the number to dial. Um, I'm riding solo today without my partner in crime, Dumi Muraike. Uh, what I would like to do though, every now and again is rope in, um, the guys be, you know, like the, the, the guys that sit in the booth, Abos Bongilo, so Abo Duncan, these, these, these are the people who make up the core production team. And I do have a couple of questions that I do, I would like to, to ask. And so I'm going to, I'm going to try and rope, and rope the gang in wherever I can. Okay. But before I do that though, um, I don't know if you watch the show Shameless and I understand that there's a British version as well. I think the British version came first and then, you know, the Americans then flipped the script and did their own version or whatever. I don't know. But this, the show Shameless, it's currently showing. Um, and I came across it like a week or two ago. I've missed out on so many different episodes. But this specific episode that I was watching had me a little bit stumped because um, it it brought it raised an issue. And I mean, if you've watched Shameless it you know from from the word go you're basically shocked and horrified at what you're watching because it's about this it's about this guy Frank Gallagher he's a complete and utter al- alcoholic he has about 10 million children the eldest of the children is basically raising everybody else he keeps walking in and out of their lives and they're always having to bail him out because either he's been picked up on the side of the road after he passed out from his latest binge you know binge drinking spree or he like in this season he's taken over from his is it his youngest? No, it's not his youngest child. He's taken over from one of his sons who is now a drug dealer. 
like <laughs> teenage white boy walking around with cornrows. He's packing heat in the sense of a gun. He's hanging out with these thugs and now he's like a drug dealer or whatever. So anyway, in this episode, um, one of the, one of the girls, one of Frank's daughters, her name is Debbie and she is pregnant. Like she's full on pregnant. She's attending Lamar's classes. She's, she's looking like she's ready to pop. I don't even know how that happened because that's how much of the show that I've missed. But anyway, Debbie is pregnant and she walks, she's in a, a baby shop where she's trying to pick out things to buy for the baby. So like a pram or, you know, a blankets or baby, you know, car seats, whatever it is that, that, that people need to buy for babies. And she's walking around the shop and she's, you know, she's looking at things and she's deciding what she's going to pick. And then out of the corner of her eye, she notices this guy who is, you know, who's also, he looks like he's shopping. He's standing there and then he looks at her and then she catches him looking at him and then she's kind of like, mm, whatever, okay, it's whatever, it's fine. She carries on doing her thing. Then he looks at her again and then it's pretty clear that this guy is checking her out. So she's like, oh, okay. And then this guy walks up to her and then he makes, you know, he starts up a conversation and he makes up some excuse about how he's buying this and this and that for his aunt's child or his sister's child or his cousin's child. I can't remember. And he makes it seem as if he's asking her for advice on which one, which one of these items he should buy. So then she helps him out and she tells him what he should get. And then, you know, it's fine. It's whatever. And then she carries on doing her own thing. But then evidently what happens here is that these two bump into each other outside the shop on the streets again. And he basically asks her out on, you know, to take her out for, I don't know, I don't know coffee or whatever, which, you know, on the surface, you think, OK, um, here's this pregnant girl. Here's a stranger guy and he's asking her out to go for drinks and you know you think that's a bit weird i mean she's clearly pregnant uh why are you hitting on a pregnant woman anyway fine they end up having coffee or whatever they strike up a conversation he seems and he comes across like a genuinely nice guy he comes across as harmless like somebody who's caring like the kind of because i'm assuming that she's now single like there is no baby daddy in the picture i don't know So he, you know, he presents all these nice qualities about himself and you think, oh, shame, like he's a genuinely nice guy. Fine. And then they end up making arrangements for her and him to go to her next Lamar's class, uh, which she then does later on in the episode. But when she gets there, (laughs) she gets there, she takes her coat off, she hangs it, and then she kind of looks around the Lamar's class to see where he is because, you know, usually the women, the mothers will be there with their partners to help them through the session. And then she spots this guy. So then she smiles and she walks up to him, but then she realizes that he is with another girl and this girl is also pregnant. And she's like, no, 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 no. What is going on here? This guy acts completely innocent and he says, oh no, shame, didn't you know? I'm a mesophile. Big word, never heard it before. And I'm thinking to myself, I must make a note to jot that down because I need to look up what this word is. And he says, no, um, he's into her because she's pregnant. And it is an actual thing. It is a thing. It's a kind of fetish because, you know, we have all kinds of fetishes as human beings. You've got people who want to be urinated on because it turns them on. You've got all sorts of kinky things happening behind people's closed doors. And this guy says to her, no, I'm a musophile, which means that I'm into pregnant women and I'm attracted to, to pregnant women. And it really turns me on. And she looks completely freaked out. She rushes for the door. She's trying to find her coat to put it on because she's going to make a quick exit. The other pregnant girl who's with this guy, 
she's calm, completely calm. And she looks at Debbie and she says, it's okay, honey. I don't want to take him from you. We can share him. So then I thought to myself, no, I actually need to do a little bit of research and find out whether whether this is an actual true thing. And so a mesophile, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but, you know, it's spelled M-A-I-E-S-I-O-P-H-Y-L-L-Y-L-E. Or if you suffer from mesophilia, it's a pregnancy fetish. It is a context where pregnancy is seen by individuals or cultures as an erotic phenomenon. Look, I've often heard stories from men who are just about to become fathers saying, oh, you know, when the mother of my child was pregnant, she looked so sexy and there was just something about her glowing skin and that little belly was just great and her boobs like went up 10 sizes and it was just like she was this hot goddess and she was completely and utterly, you know, beautiful and da da da, da. Like, I get that. Like, I get that there is a thing where a pregnant woman, you know, presents or comes across as this beautiful person Although, you know, a lot of pregnant women that I know personally will say things like, ah, people must stop trying to romanticize pregnancy because it's rough. Uh, You break out in acne, your feet swell, you you know, you've got the feet that are the size of elephant stumps, um, your ass grows. It's just, it's annoying. So... I get that there is this thing of an attraction towards women who are pe- who are pregnant from their partners, but for a complete stranger, a complete stranger of a man to find a woman sexy, to to go to the point of being turned on. I mean, let me just read on what they say here about mesophilia. It may involve sexual attraction to women who are pregnant or appear pregnant, attraction to lactation. So if you are sitting there as a mother and you are thinking to yourself, survival, my baby is crying and she needs breast milk and you, you know, you do your thing, you're in a public space, maybe you're at a restaurant or maybe, you know, you somewhere at a train station. I don't know where you are, but you're in a public space and then, you know, you just, you whip out some little cloth or whatever that can cover yourself and you're thinking to yourself, I'm breastfeeding breastfeeding my child if there happens to be someone there who suffers from mesophilia watching all of this unfold they are being turned on by you feeding your baby i just i can't guys i can't and this is an actual thing it's a fetish it exists i don't know man i don't know every day every day there's a reason why there's just something that's a little bit off center with us as 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 human beings um Hang on, let me let me try and get Duncan on here because actually he's a guy and I need to find out from him whether this is something that he could completely understand because the thing about our Duncan here, you know, he's got a way with the ladies. Um, 90% of ladies who come into Cliff Central, they get Duncan's special treatment, which is him, you know, saying, hello, how are you? And he asks them why they're there and he sees if he can, tr- if he can try to help them out. Every now and again, you know, he tries to push things a little bit. Uh, further than what they should be going. Duncan, uh, this, this thing that I've just explained of men being turned on by seeing a complete stranger of a woman pregnant, she might even be feeding her child. Is this something that you could understand as a man who's, who really loves and appreciates women? Uh, no, absolutely. Mabale, let's not deny how, how beautiful the woman's body is. Even better when there's a little child inside the body. <laughs> just, you know what, Duncan? I just can't help but feel like it's almost a little... Like, it's a little bit creepy because you do mention that there is this child. So there's this little innocent <laughs> being growing inside of her. And all you can think is, oh, yeah, that looks good. That looks good. Look, I remember when I saw this uh, Portuguese pregnant lady. Oh, she was so gorgeous. 
just that, that, that big bop she had on her belly oh and just the way she walked and how fat her thighs oh, were. Oh, okay. You see, you see, yeah. I and don't know. rosy cheeks as well. I think the, the main thing about it is that women are gorgeous and them being pregnant is, the, is a whole new other level of their beauty that us real men really know how to appreciate. All right, thank you very much, Duncan. See, I knew that I could I, I could count on you to give uh, a detailed graphic explanation of what this thing is about. But this is the real deal, guys. This is this is the stuff that happens out here in the world. I don't know. I'm just thinking to myself, and maybe it's just because of the women that I have spoken to, is a lot of a lot of women when they are pregnant, they just you know they don't necessarily feel their best in that moment. First of all, they're piling on weight. Uh, secondly, some women have big problems with their skin acting out. It breaks out, and they've got this major acne problem. And um, the last thing that they're thinking on their minds is that, um, you know, I'm looking all kinds of sexy right now. Yes, daddy, yes. Look at me while I'm feeding my child. Yeah, you like that, don't you? You like that. I don't know, guys. I'm just not feeling feeling up for that. Okay, listen. Uh, Dumi, Dumi is not here, so it's you and I for the next hour or so, or at this at this stage now, just the next half hour. So let's let's slow things down a little bit. I did mention at the start of the, at the start of the show that you can call me the throwback kid, because you know me. This is what I'm all about. I'm all about those old school songs that really, you know, especially back in the '90s when I was still just a teenage girl and I was still so innocent, and I was hearing these songs for the first time. And you know, some of these jams are just so good and they can't be replicated. Uh, let me let me give you a little taste of this. You remind me of something. Mm. I just can't think of what it is. <laughs> uh. If we're allowed to play R. Kelly songs, guys, I get there was those. There were all those insinuations about him having, you know, relations with underage girls, and it became very dodgy and very seedy very quickly. You remember that story that people used to tell about him and Aaliyah? Oh, shame. So I don't. Technically, I don't know. Like, I feel a little bit. I feel a little bit dirty playing R. Kelly. I don't know why. It would be like um, if it would be like if I, you know, reminisced on the the good old Bill Cosby days. Are we allowed to do that, or should we completely disassociate ourselves from people who've now turned out to be a little bit creepy? Creepy. Oh eight six one triple five one eight nine, or send your messages straight through to WeChat. Mabale Muloi flying solo without Dumimurake, who is away working hard for her money. Child, she's working hard for her money. Um, she's got a corporate function that she's emceeing today. Okay, so the other day, um, in fact, not too long ago, because now I'm, you know, I've gotten back into this gym thing, and I've even gone so far as to, you know, get a get like one-on-one sessions with a trainer because now it's serious, guys. Like, I'm, I mean, I'm officially the size of an elephant. But um, so I'm sitting in the little offices there by the gym, and I'm, you know, signing all the documents that need to be signed. We're going through the paperwork, and this guy's asking me for all sorts of details. He's like, "Can I have your ID number? Can I have this? Your proof, your your address, your this, your that." And then he asks me for my bank account number because clearly, you know, they're going to be charging me every month, and I just give it to him. And he was so shocked and surprised, and he's like, "Ah, do you know that every time that there is a woman?" Um, whom I ask to give me their bank account details, they give them to, they give them to him with no issues. Like they can regurgitate those numbers like clockwork. And he says, with a lot of guys, they usually have to like pull out their cell phone, rummage through the phone, maybe log on to online banking to retrieve their account number. And I was like, yeah, but I mean, what what are you so surprised about? And he said to me, no, like the reason that you girls always know account numbers as well as you do, you know them like the back of your hand, is because you guys love money. So so much. 
And I was like, Ay, okay. I said to him, no, that's not the reason. Okay. The reason is that women are better at, uh, focusing on the detail more than men are. This is why we remember things that you think are not important. We remember birthdays. We remember anniversaries. And then you act all surprised when we're like, why didn't you buy me anything for anniversary? And you're like, ah, baby, nakilibits. It's just because we pay better attention to the detail. Again, here, I'm going to bring in Duncan. Duncan, this guy is saying that the only reason that women know bank account numbers is because we love money. That's a lie. Mabali, let's think about it. No, Duncan, don't. Don't do this to me. That's a lie. Look, the, the only things I remember are the numbers that are important to me. How is your bank account number not important to you? Firstly, the number is too long. I get that the number is too long, but let's assume that you've had to provide this number so many times when you're filling in documents. Wouldn't it just be easier for you to remember the number off, like off the top of your head? You know what? I think we, we choose not to remember all these long numbers because at the end of the day, the money doesn't go straight to us. You are the managers of the money. The only number I know to, I'll never forget is the number for the people that I really need, like my dealer. And all those kind of people. I'm sorry, you no, you know what? We're not going to those are the numbers that are important to us. At this oh, is is Swangile in the booth there? Swangile is can the can booth. please can Swangile get onto the microphone? Because I need I need to understand Duncan needs to understand. First of all, Duncan, you must answer this question when I'm done speaking to Swangile. Swangile, these men saying that we we love money that much that we know uh, people's bank account numbers. It's a lie. It is a lie. It's a lie. It's attention to detail. That's it. And Owena Duncan, if you, if you are so protective over, over your money, then how come you don't know your own bank account number so that you can protect your money from these so-called women who love money so much? Look, I'm happy for my girlfriend to know my account number and stuff. So I think that's, that's her field, you know? She must deal with all the accounts and all the numbers. I'm cool. I'll just be the provider. I have never known a man's account number details, a boyfriend, an ex. I have never known their details. I've always known just mine. And I just assume that you as guys do the same. And this guy was saying to me, no, man, it's just you women who know these details. Now, firstly, guys don't have money. It's the women that have money. So, (laughs) (laughs) and most of the time you find that guys, when they do transactions, it's always like uh, cash, cash thingy, my Bob. So it's never transferring accounts and stuff. Me, I'm not bothered by that. I'm not trying to remember it, hey? So when you're busy filling out forms for whatever reason, and they ask you for your ID number and your address and all of that, and then when it comes to account number, what do you do then? I don't even know my ID or power. <laughs> <laughs> Is it a bad thing? Should I know it? No, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I was just genuinely surprised when this guy said, no, only, usually only women know these kinds of things. You know what, Mabali? I think you should make it your homework for the next show. Find five guys and five girls and see out of the whole survey who knows what. Okay. All right. Let me read a message here on WeChat from Kodua, who says, The thing about pregnant women is that you know, oh, is that you know someone came inside her and she loved it and kept the baby. You know, I, okay. I can see that being one of the reasons why some men might be aroused and turned on. But you would then be aroused and turned on of your own, you know, woman, like the mother of your child. But there are men who are walking around out here who are basically just getting turned on by any old pregnant woman. It could be, I mean, it could be your cousin and here you are getting turned on. But let's not turn this into that kind of show. Anyway, what was I talking about? Oh, yeah, this this bank account detail thing. So I just thought that it was... um 
it was a little bit interesting. But now here's a here's a thing that I have been thinking about. Yesterday I was watching um a show. Well, I wasn't actually watching it. I stumbled on it while I was surfing channels. It's a show about weddings. And you know, weddings, big, 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 big deal. Always a big theme, always a hit in terms of if you put a show about weddings on television, it's going to be great. Here we've got our perfect wedding. This particular show that I was watching, I think it's something about Italian weddings. I can't remember what it's called. And the reason I say it's something about Italian weddings is because I think it's filmed in Italy because the whole thing is basically like you, you follow the show through subtitles, right? And I'm assuming that they pick very well off Italians because in this particular episode you had the father who was saying you know nothing nothing goes spared for my child we're going to spend money it's going to be lavish anything that my little girl wants she's going to have and this was a really extravagant wedding Um, the venue that they had chosen or that the girl had chosen she wanted or she had a guest list of 400 people, but the venue only set two people. And this was the royal room in this big venue. So then they actually had to join two separate venues and try and make them into one so that she could accommodate her entire guest list. It was massive. And her father paid for everything. And, you know, he paid for the wedding dress, which was insane. And he paid for extra special features like a wound water fountain with lights feature. It was just, it was extravagant. But then I was thinking to myself, what should the rule be when it comes to your wedding, my wedding? Should I foot the bill for that entire thing? Should my parents foot the bill for that entire thing, especially if they offer? Or should it be a combination of us both, right? And it got me thinking, okay, look, I'm not, I'm not a married person, so I don't know how these things work. But you know, with us, you get the guy who pays Ilobola, you know, he puts, he puts the money forward. And then, you know, I mean, I would, I would think that if I ever get married one day, I'm going to say to this guy, Bona, you and I are at this point in our lives right now. This is what we can afford. Uh, let's take that into consideration when we are planning this event, this wedding, because quite frankly, if I cannot afford, a venue that looks like somewhere at the the palace in Sun City or whatever, then I'm just not going to be able to get it. And a lot of the time um, with these kinds of shows, you have these wealthy families. They have all the money in the world. And then you usually have the parents footing the entire bill for the wedding. Now, should that be the case? Does it matter if your parents offer? Is it, if, you know, is it okay? Fine. I mean, you offered. It's good. We're good to go. Let's do this thing. You helping me out. By the way, I'm the reason that you're here because you're my parents. If you hadn't brought me here, I wouldn't be here. So you guys need to pay for this bill. Or should it be a combination of the two? You know, at the same time, you're a young adult. You're starting out with this partner in your life. Do you really want to start out with the exorbitant amounts of debt that weddings place on young couples? You know, um, should it be seen as a gift? Your parents are gifting you this thing, but then at the end of the day, this thing costs close to like half a million rand. I'm just wondering, guys. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Oh, Duncan. Mabali. Duncan. Uh, let me tell you this. Our parents long and dream for the day that uh, their, their son or their daughter is finally going to get married. Mm. And uh, I know my parents are encouraging me to get married, but, uh, but they know my financial situation. But they're like, Duncan, don't worry about it. We'll cover for you. So are they prepared to cover the whole thing? I, I, I don't think the whole thing. Probably, probably 
See, that's the question. What's important to cover for uh, from the parents' side for their kids' wedding? Because as a black man, obviously, you're going to have to pay ilobola and you're going to have to do this. So yeah. now you you are expected to that to do that by yourself, right? No, actually, I just remembered <laughs> that my dad. Yeah, yeah. I, the, I think the biggest concern for an African child is uh, <laughs> the, the whole capital, the capital for getting the the lobola money. So my dad knows I don't have that. Okay, but he was like. My son, it's cool. We go. To, we'll go to the bank. No, no, no. He didn't say we'll go to the bank. He said he will. He will be the bank. You will be the bank, okay. and then he will pay the lobola for me. Then we'll probably take it from there and have a small wedding. And that, and then in that ex, in that instance, do you then owe your father? Is this a loan or is it a gift? I feel like this is the last thing that uh, the parents could actually do for their son or daughter. This is the last. This is the last ah, cash Duncan. injection. No, Duncan. At the very least, you must come up with that money for Ilobola guy. And then your parents can fill in the extras when it comes to the actual paying of things like booze or catering or whatever, the cow, the sheep. At what? the very least, you must take care of the Lobola guy. Like, this uh, is this yeah. is how you prove, like, you're a man now, right? Like, we know a man. So if I take care of the Lobola, they'll probably take care of the cows and the catering. Does Omuntu want to jump in here? Because I see he's standing. No, he doesn't want to jump in. Okay, I see Muntu standing there and he's like, ah, I'm getting ready to challenge this guy. You no, Duncan will be my mouthpiece. Okay, oh, Duncan will be your mouthpiece. But you do want to say something though. No, I think... I think if... If Nizobaranjana, if you're going to have a wedding... Yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. But if you're going to have a white wedding, then your father must pay for everything. Yo, 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 guys. And the reason I say this, mm. it's a white wedding. Mm. And we know in white cultures, the father pays. The father of the bride pays. The father of the bride must pay. So at the end of the... White wedding. Yeah. Not if you're black. Not if you're black. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> okay, That's no. What I'm saying. You can't ask for a white wedding and then expect me to pay. But then, okay, so then what if, what if you and I just decide that, baby, we don't have the money. Actually, let's not do this white wedding business. I don't have a need to be in a white dress somewhere. We can just do our thing the, the, the way that we do things. Customary as black people and we're good to go. Then you must pay. Or then we must both pay. You and then me. I'll pay. You know, I have no problem helping helping my future husband out oh, in paying for certain on. things. Like, let's be real here, people. It's 2016. Our economy is struggling. Things are rough out here. People are struggling to find jobs. I can't be putting this entire burden on the man that I'm now going to try and marry, right? Yeah. So I'm willing to help out. Mabale, what me and my partner in life have decided to do, we're going to go to, to the court and we're going to sign some papers. It only costs like 120. Then afterwards, we'll go for a dinner at the news cafe. Oh my gosh. Okay. All right. Wait, are we are any of us invited to your wedding? When is it happening? Yeah, you can come to the court and be a witness while we sign. Okay, all right. So you're doing the signing thing and then afterwards you go into a venue and it's gonna be drinks, drinks, and everybody's paying for their Done. drinks and then we all go home. That's the way. You know what? I have no judgments what else whatsoever for people. Hang on. Yeah? It's 140 just to sign papers and be married. 140 rand, Mobali, versus 150k for venues, cakes, etc., etc. 140, yeah. Mobali. Yeah, yeah. 140. How do you know that it costs as much? I did my research. Oh, so research. you really, you really serious about this thing? You ready to, you ready to make this woman and this an honest woman? And not because she has more money than me. Oh. That's not, not the reason I want to get married. But that's also not a problem for you, Nate. Like it's not an issue. 
that she makes more money for you. Because you know, for, for a lot of men, this is a problem. They feel like it takes away from them being a man somehow. I will confess. You, you don't have those problems. I, I, sometimes I woke up the other day asking myself, why is this girl with me? I can't even afford her to take her to a romantic dinner. But she's not about that life. Okay. Well, I think you found yourself a good one there, Duncan. Absolutely. You know, we must all try and be sensible adults about these kinds of things. And we must not... You know, this is this is a mistake that a lot of uh, a lot. Ooh, and I might get into trouble, but this is a mistake that a lot of women do: is they like to compare their reality with their best friend's reality. But my friend, you know, her husband is a he's a heart surgeon, and they live Kosaning Hill, and they live in this mansion, and this, this, and that. Well, then you should have gotten yourself a heart surgeon as well. Okay, stop comparing your realities with your friends. Stop expecting things from people that you know very well. They're going to struggle to give to you, to provide for you, if you know the kind of situation that they're in. Um, I mentioned I mentioned earlier that while I was signing up for this gym contract thing where the guy who was assisting me said, I'm so, like, I'm not even surprised that you as a woman know your bank account number. Like, this is all of you women. And I said, yes, we know these kinds of details. And I said, it's because I'm now, it's now official that I'm the size of a baby elephant. And I was talking to a guy friend of mine. He's a very good friend. And, you know, we kind of lean on each other in the sense that when I'm going through some stuff, I'll tell him and he'll advise me or, you know, comfort me when he's going through some stuff, vice versa. And I happened to say this to him. I was like, I know, dude, like, I really need to do this thing now because I'm the size of a baby elephant. And he was so upset with me. And he said, you know, I really don't like it when you say things like that about yourself. Why, why do you say things like, like that about yourself? And I remember hearing a conversation happening between three girls where the one girl said, why do you say such mean things about yourself? Would you stand for those things being said to you by another person? And the answer is obviously no. You would not stand for somebody saying straight to your face, oh, you're the size of a baby elephant. But my thing is, you know, a lot of the time, and especially when it comes to asking people to give their honest opinion about certain things about you, I don't know that friends are always 100% honest with you when you ask them for their for their opinion because maybe they're a little bit nervous that the response that they have is going to hurt your feelings. Maybe they're thinking to yourself, I don't know that she's ready to hear the truth, so let me try and sugarcoat it or let me lie completely I completely understand that that is possibly the case because, listen, there are times when I have been asked opinions by friends of mine for whatever reason, and I have lied because the thing that you're actually thinking could be a little bit harsh and a little bit mean, in which case you don't want to hurt your friend's friend's feelings. You love your friend after all. The thing with me here on this issue of, you know, saying things about myself like, oh, I'm the size of a baby elephant, the thing is, If my friends are going to find it difficult to be 100% honest with me on a situation or on an issue, why can't I be honest with myself about that issue? I'm not creating this in my head. I'm not making it up. I know every morning when I get dressed that, you know, clothes have become a little bit tighter. It's not just because these things shrink in the washing machine. It's because I'm expanding. So, you know, he was my friend that I was telling this to. He was very, very upset with me. And he said, no, you mustn't say things like that. You're you're basically abusing yourself and you're being unkind to yourself. And meanwhile, I was just thinking to myself, no, guy, like I'm probably the only person who's being 100% honest uh, with myself about my weight gain right now because nobody else, nobody else would probably tell it straight to my face because, you know, they're, they're trying to not be mean. Don't you dare tell me that I'm fat when I done can because I will hurt you. I will punch you in the face. <laughs> <laughs> you see, and that is a why, that is a reason why people find it difficult to be 100% honest with you when you ask them their opinion. Yeah. 
Let's not deny. Okay, maybe you can help me with this. Yeah. I've been with my girl for the past eight months, and I will confess, she has gained a bit. Okay. And when, even when she goes home, her own mom tells her that she's gained a bit. Oh, listen, this is the thing that we're constantly hearing as women from our mothers, our aunts, our grandmothers, our cousins from down the street. Like they don't, they don't hesitate telling you, oh, oh no, no, So now what I did was I blamed myself for getting her to the position she's at. Because I'm thinking I'm not the proper leader in the relationship. I'm not setting the good example of exercising, eating healthy, one that she could probably adopt from me. Do you know what I'm saying? So you think that if you had a better lifestyle, then she would also have a better lifestyle and the two of you together would be looking hot? I th- naturally, I think that would happen that way. So it's mostly the man's fault. But if you're a single woman and you're a bit uh, on the, I don't know, that I don't know about. Ah, stop it. Listen, we all have reasons why we gain weight. Huh? Don't judge me. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, good point. Well made, Duncan. I do know that, um, a lot of times in relationships when couples are working out together and they're eating healthy together, it's a lot easier than if the one is trying to do it by themselves. It's like teamwork. Zandisile on WeChat says, according to the Kosa culture, if you're going to have the so-called white wedding, you pay more during Lobola negotiations. I didn't, I did not know this, but apparently. Well, I'm not Kosa, I'm, I'm Zulu. I'm not Kosa either, so this is interesting to know. Um, guys, you know, again, I, like, I'm okay. I don't need a white wedding, hey? Like, Kishabu. Pay the lobola, you and me do our thing, our cultures combine, you know, we do things as is customary, and then I'm good to go, guys. I'm good to go. Plus, that money for the so-called white wedding could be better utilized somewhere else. Say now you and I move into our own, like our new house together. That takes care of that. Or if we want to go away on honeymoon, you know, that takes care of that. It's just it's just a matter of cutting out, um, cutting out some expenses. Okay, Hagerman. Our Hagaman Corner, this is our Hagaman feature that Dumi and I, well, look, we try to do it every week. We don't always get it right. But I've got two Hagaman um, suggestions for today. Basically, look, we as women, the easiest thing in the world for us to do is to, you know, to attack men on the things that they do, to attack them on the things that they say to us, on the way that they behave, because, you know, that's just the way that life is. So instead of constantly attacking and, you know, Saying things like, ah, oh, all men are this or all men are that. Jimmy and I decided to come up with this feature, the Hagerman feature, where we basically give props to the men for the things that they do do for us, which we appreciate and which we think are nice and sweet and, you know, which make us look at you differently and which, which ensure that you're definitely going to get some that night. So the first Hagerman, and I'm going to do two today because Jimmy's not here and I feel like I need to do, you know, do one for her. The first Hagerman um, award that I'm handing out today is for all the men who go shopping with their women. And I'm not talking about shopping in the sense that we need to buy um, groceries for the house and then we need to go and get that that pipe thing for the washing machine because it broke and then we also need to go to... I'm not talking about that kind of shopping. I'm talking about the kind of shopping where you as a man find yourself in a clothing store waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting because your lovely woman is trying on outfit after outfit after outfit after outfit after outfit. And every time she steps out and she says, baby, what do you think of this? And you say, it's great. And she's like, no, it makes my ass look big or it makes this look bad. Men, all of you who find yourselves in a situation where you are stuck in a clothing store with your woman, 
I'm giving this Hagaman Award to you because you deserve it. Listen, I'm a woman, and even I myself must admit how difficult I find the shopping process to be, clothes shopping specifically. It's torture. You go in there after having seen some ensemble looking a particular way on a mannequin, and then when you put it on, it just looks nothing like it at all. And then you start having those horrible conversations in your head where you think, oh, I'm a baby elephant. And then you take the damn thing off and then you decide to try something else on and then that that doesn't look good. And then you're so frustrated by the end of it that you walk out of the shop empty-handed. And I imagine this is probably the, the most frustrating things thing for the guy is you go in there, you're spending all this time trying this stuff on and then you walk out empty-handed at the end of it all. So hug a man to all the men who go shopping with their women. And then the last hug a man. So earlier today, uh, before before our show, Do Me and I's show, um, Brent Lendeke does his show. And today he had a camera crew with him and there were these two guys. And there was this one guy who was who was wearing a cap, right? And he's busy filming. And then uh, one of the founders of Cliff Central, this is now Rena Broomberg, who also manages Gareth Cliff. She walked up to this guy and she, you know, she wanted to talk to him about something. And this guy takes his cap off and holds it by his chest in his hand as he's talking to Rina. And I just thought to myself, oh, that is so sweet, man. That gesture of men tipping their hats at ladies, you know, like they used to do back in the 50s, 60s. It was a common thing. Whenever a woman enters a room or whenever you're addressing a woman, you take your hat off when you're talking to her. And this guy did exactly that with his cap. You know, he'd had it on the entire time. He was busy doing his thing. Uh, Rena approaches him, starts having a conversation with him. He immediately takes his cap off. And I mean, I don't even know where that comes from. I know that it's supposed to indicate a sign of respect, but I'm not, I'm not entirely sure how exactly we got to that point. But I just thought that it was so sweet when I saw it. So, um, hug a man corner to all those men who tip their hats at the ladies and then also to the men who find themselves stuck in a clothing store with their women and they're there shopping with their women even when the woman three hours later walks out empty-handed and you're just thinking to yourself, there was absolutely no point to that. My name is Mabale Muloe and I'll be back with you next week alongside my partner in crime, Jumi Murake. This has been Sipping Tea. Thank you for spending the hour with me. This is cliffcentral.com.